0: Struggling to stay up to date with social media? Do you want to get ahead online? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, the podcast for public sector professionals who want to elevate their digital communications. Here's your host, Joanne Sweeney.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 92 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Coming up in today's show, I'm sharing ideas on how to effectively communicate sustainability, both within the public sector and to the public. COP28, the United Nations Climate Change Conference, recently took place in Dubai. COP28 stands for the 28th meeting of the Conference of the Parties, and it was attended by 70,000 delegates, including world leaders, media, NGOs, environmental, public policy, finance and scientific experts. But what came out of the conference was yet another urgent appeal and warning to global decision makers about our growing climate crisis. Coming up in today's show, the main COP28 goals and outcomes, the role of communications within public sector and externally to the public to change perception and behaviour around climate action. And I speak to Tina O'Dwyer. She's Founder and CEO at The Tourism Space, and she's also a sustainability expert. Let's dive in. In today's column, I want to go a little bit deeper into COP28, their goals, outcomes, and how they communicated the conference. So every year COP meets to determine ambitions and responsibilities for climate action and to identify and assess climate measures and how well we are doing globally to fight climate change and also individually as nation states. And of course every nation state has a voice at the table. So this year's conference was hosted by the United Arab Emirates who hold the COP28 Presidency. So the Presidency's plan of action to deliver on the pillars of the previously agreed Paris Agreement focused on four key areas and I believe these four key areas are such that individual nation-states governments and public sector agencies with key responsibilities should be hanging their communications hats on. So number one, fast-tracking the energy transition. But let's think about it. We still have elements of the public and particular sectors within society who are pulling against and really resistant of fast-tracking the energy transition. One group um, I can think of is um, farmers, uh, and we can remember how divisive the nature restoration law in Europe was in 2023. Number two, fixing climate finance, because we know climate action requires financial resources. Number three, the third pillar, putting nature, people, lives and livelihoods at the heart of climate action. And this is a really important pillar because if we strip everything back, I mean, apart from the the planet heating up and, you know, uh, the Arctic melting, you know, putting nature, people, lives and livelihoods at the centre of our communications to try and get that emotional and that personal resonance that we all have a part to play and that individual action collectively can make a big difference. And then the fourth pillar, underpinning everything with full inclusivity. And that means that it's not just richer states that can move faster, uh, governments with more money, with more power, Uh, We need to think about developing nations, um, we need to think about island states, we need to think about developing countries, um, because everybody shares this planet and equally. And then, throughout COP28, here's what was on the agenda. They took a global stock take, and really what the ask was, was to reduce uh, the temperature on this planet by 1.5 degrees also to start to completely get rid of fossil fuels and we saw a number of nation-states pull against that ask, Uh, the mitigation work program that has been put in place, Uh, the global goal on adaptation, so all of us need to adapt uh, and our governments need public policy on that adaptation and then finally climate finance and including financial arrangements for loss and damage due to natural disasters that are catalyzed by climate change. So when I was looking at uh, COP28, um, these pillars really spoke to me, and I think they are great pillars, uh, as I said, to hang your communications hat on. Another thing that I looked at around COP28 for the show was how they communicated what was coming out of it, and I heard one reporter, um, and I can't remember who it was, I heard a, a report on radio during COP28, and he said, you know, this is one of the biggest events in the world with global leaders attending, but it feels to me that nobody is listening, and I thought that was a pretty sad statement, if I'm honest, But anyway, I had a look at the communications from COP28 and what I saw was an increased use of influencers um, clearly an intention to reach younger audiences, more content on TikTok, there were specific podcasts, there was a live daily blog, there was a hashtag that was running, there were updates on X, there were on-site live streams and interviews. So really, really leaning into the power of social media for targeted messaging and to reach particular groups with particular messages. Um, So if you do wanna get some ideas around great comms, uh, have a look at uh, the communications coming from COP28.
0: Public Sector Pros, do you want to progress in your career? Are you going for promotion? Do you want to stay ahead of the digital media landscape? We can help you. View our training calendar at publicsectormarketingpros.com.
1: In today's consulting segment, I want to talk a little bit about how to motivate people towards sustainability so that we all take sustainability uh, not for granted, but we take responsibility and we don't leave it to somebody else. Uh, The role of communications is really important in changing public perception around climate action, but also changing behavior. There is so much to do. There are so many big challenges to overcome. And what can one person, one household, one business do that will make make a material difference to reversing climate damage? And this really is the key communications message that government and public sector needs to lean into to move the needle. When we see something so big, we feel that we just cannot make a difference, that anything we do won't have any impact, but we know that is wrong. If we all do one small thing consistently and then as a global population, that needle will absolutely move. But I have some ideas in terms of communications of what and what not to do when trying to influence, whether within your public sector organisation or whether you're directly speaking to the public. Let's start with greenwashing. Um, A relatively new term that has uh, arrived into the dictionary. Um, And greenwashing is activities by a company or an organization that are intended to make people think that it is concerned about the environment, even if their real business and day-to-day activities hurt the planet. So really, it's almost like a, a fake... Um, sense of sustainability, um, saying that you're doing it, saying that you care, but really your actions don't match your words. But did you know, and this is something that I learned when researching this episode, that you can get greenwashing certification. So that means that you are against greenwashing. It proves that your business or your organization complies to certain sustainability criteria and that your practices have been verified by an independent certification body. So I think that's something really cool that, again, governments um, and agencies should promote and sign up to. I always love a case study of good practice and depending on who you're targeting, again, if it's internal or external, what you want to do is find a case study where it will resonate with a target group that you're trying to inspire, motivate and give them a call to action. Just great communications matters and really thinking about how you're set up, what platforms you're using, um, what content you're creating, that content format, but really instilling communications at the centre of any sustainability project is paramount. Um, there's also sustainability marketing, which is the promotion uh, of responsible products, services and practices. And I'm actually seeing um, even public tenders from government agencies um, promoting sustainable practices by organizations who are tendering to do business, and this is growing. Um, what you do not want to do is work with partners who don't adhere to good environmental practice and again just to follow on from my previous point I am seeing that public sector agents are really calling on their suppliers to have good sustainability practices in place and then step up and be a sustainability leader and I'm not going to talk too much about that because that's exactly what Tina O'Dwyer is going to talk to me about in the next segment. Today's big interview is with Tina O'Dwyer. She is founder and CEO at the Tourism Space, but she's a sustainability expert and she was was talking about sustainability long before it was ever cool or current. And we had a conversation towards the end of 2023 and we realised that we had a lot in common when it came to actually communications and public sector, but she's coming at it from the whole area of sustainability. So I asked her how can public sector and public sector leaders in particular raise their game and actually lead from the front? Tina, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Hi Joanne, delighted to be here. Well listen, we've spoken a number of times before we got together for this podcast yeah. interview yeah. Um, and I've really kind of been trying to tap in to what it is that you do because sustainability, the SDGs, climate action, it's now come to the doorstep of citizens and we've got public sector pros listening to this. But tell us a little bit about you and your work and what you do with the tourism space.
2: Okay, um, well, we're we're a specialist tourism consultancy. We partner with government and public sector agencies on this area of sustainable and regenerative tourism. Um, the business has been there since 2017, but we'll say the journey that led to the business was working um, on various pilot projects between 2010 and 2018 that were about testing, piloting, evaluating, reporting on how to engage businesses and stakeholders in sustainable tourism practices. So we had when that at that time that was very alternative and niche. But it was a very lovely bubble to be in in the sense of we had time space and funding to really examine examine these topics so that was kind of my background that was in the burning cliffs of moher unesco global geopark here in county clare and we really generated a lot of learnings and insights and and wisdom dare i say it but also models and templates that could be used in other destinations as well so now there's um there's a small team of us here and like I said, we do mainly training, facilitation, coaching, um, some speaking, that whole communicating and facilitating the mindset shift and the transition that's going on right now.
1: Yeah. And we we obviously need your help. Public sector needs your help. But, you know, this is kind of like a two-pronged thing when I was thinking about this conversation with you and how it relates to the people who listen to this podcast and from the starting point public sector need to lead on sustainability they're implementing policy not just within the department of the environment but it's across government and then they have the public sector agency so they need to lead themselves from a sustainability good practice point of view but then they've got this other side of the coin and that's communicating to the public and i think it's really really difficult because You know, citizens often think that it's industry or agri or government that can solve these big global issues. Mm -hmm. But we are now beginning to realize that we individually have personal responsibility. Like, where do people start? What's your message to public sector on this one?
2: Yeah, it's... um... I mean, you've captured there the the challenge. I think it is a very acute challenge for public sector um, professionals, because in, in some cases, they're working within a policy that's maybe three, four years old, and so it's outdated and they're hamstrung by that in terms of sustainability initiatives, or they have a brand new policy that has sustainability and regeneration peppered all over it, but they haven't yet had the chance to really understand what that means um, internally and then for their public as well. Um, So I think that's really challenging. So where to start from a public sector professional point of view is, uh, you know, I think there really there are many who feel the need and need the opportunity to invest in their own learning first in terms of sustainability, literacy, understanding, getting to that point of feeling very confident and very fluent. I know from the people I work with, that is a challenge. It's like just not not feeling quite confident enough just yet with that, you know, but but already leading. And uh, and that that can that can be definitely challenging. So I think. One of the, one of the things we're seeing more, I think a trend now is there's a growing kind of verbalization of the fact that we're all learning, we're on the journey, this is emerging. And I think that's something to be welcomed, because the expectation, as you've put it there, for government and industry to lead is a bit premature. You know, it's a little bit premature, and we kind of have to open the conversation of us being on a journey together. And like you said there, it's down to all of us. That's the newer understanding as well. It's not It's not up to a government over there to do something or a business over here. Partnership and collective action is actually where it's at. And that, that shared learning journey is going to be really really important but that said it it will fall to the public sector to create the conversation around things in a way that is very relatable and interesting to people in general and that's i suppose maybe something we'll talk about that's kind of been one of the failings of the sustainability discussion in the 10 or 15 years to now, you know, the last three years, it's gotten a lot more centre stage and a lot more everyday in conversations. But yeah, it still has a way to go in terms of being relatable and meaningful um, to people in general.
1: And you've just reminded me <clears throat> uh, one of the words of the year of twenty twenty three, and in the Oxford Dictionary, uh, not Riz, which I spoke about in another podcast. <laughs> but wait. Uh, yeah, Riz. Do you have Riz? Anyway. Um, yeah. Can you we, Greenwashing, right greenwashing so yeah. it's it's where you uh, say that you are a sustainable company or a sustainable organization and you have good practices but in actual yeah. fact what you're yeah. doing is unsustainable so now yeah. people are afraid have been accused of greenwashing um, and yeah. i don't know yeah. where where do you stand or what's your advice there
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's it's um, I'm surprised it only made the dictionary this year, actually, because it's been it's been a topic uh, for a long time. It's it's like you say, it's either that they're they're saying they're doing something and doing the opposite or doing something that's negative or else they're just overstating what they are doing or presenting it in such a way that makes them sound fantastic. It's not untrue, but it's not actually a true reflection of what's happening. There's less and less tolerance for it. And I think there's more and more inquiry into the statements particularly businesses make, but I think also that um, increasingly that governments make um, and, uh, you know, getting towards uh, no tolerance for that. There is no space for it. It's actually, it's so counterproductive to, um, what everybody who's well-intentioned is trying to do. Um, it deceives customers, it dece- deceives stakeholders, and it does absolutely nothing for the overall goal, which is improving environmental impact and reducing carbon emissions. Um, so you, you've, we've seen some very high profile businesses being pulled out by that. I'd be saying to anybody who's unsure, I think it's one of the reasons, back to my, my comment earlier about being confident in what you've sp- spoken about related to greenwashing, is this tendency now to call out bad practice. Um, And many people are nervous of saying anything at all in case they get called out, in case they haven't actually covered every corner and somebody finds something that they that they haven't done correctly, which is absolutely the case because people are early in their journey and, you know, can't have everything done right now. So there's another term and it might make the dictionary, which is green hushing. And it's almost it's almost as. um, As counterproductive in the sense of people doing very good stuff that could really help others, that others could learn from or replicate and afraid to speak about it for fear of being uh, called out or for somebody else saying, well, that's not good enough or that's not quite enough. So we have both both phenomenon right now. Generally, we would say to people, you know, just be honest about what it is you are doing and what you're not doing. Be honest about when you plan to get to that. You know, don't ignore it, um, you know, but have a plan for it and have a provision for it. Um, So, yeah, honesty and transparency is absolutely I hear you speaking about trust a lot in your communications. Transparency and honesty is the only way to get that trust and not being afraid to say we're not fully there. I think the way the conversation has gone, a lot of people have felt obliged to go, Okay, I have a sustainability policy. We have our action plan and we've done loads. You know, to kind of prove that that and again, maybe a little premature. Now we're seeing a bit more maturity of okay, well, we know what we want to do, we know what the challenges are, let's have a conversation about how we're going to get over those together.
1: That is great advice. And mm-hmm. a new word for me, green hushing. And I think mm-hmm. that fear is fueled by social media because Absolutely. you know we're living through the cancel culture, and I know my clients and broader public sector are so afraid of social media yeah. that they stand way back. And I'm appealing them to, to them to step forward because, you know, they have the facts, they have the truth, but mm-hmm. they're just so afraid of the trolling and the vitriol. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think we, we definitely have common interests uh, around this space. So yeah. do you have a good example or a case study that you can share with us?
2: Of... Um, yeah, there well... There, there's when I there's a lot and there's not actually loads considering you know how how many people are are active in the space. The one I was most familiar with myself and it remains a good example is the um, the Burning Cliffs of Moher Geopark that I mentioned in County Clare. I'm not involved and haven't been involved with it for a few years. Um, but at that time the the pilot program had the ability over a number of years to engage in very meaningful stakeholder engagement so across the so our area was tourism it was tourism for conservation but that involves a large number of public sector agencies who are you know you've the core ones fall ireland but then you have all the you know the monument services the parks and wildlife service the opw uh Quilcha, waterways ireland there's loads and loads and and then also the businesses and the community so within tourism you have a very wide circle of stakeholders and what they developed there and it has continued is a really good process of stakeholder engagement and steering group activity that was uh, revolved around collective goals but they also created one of the great principles I, I advocate for sustainable tourism is to localize things you know to make it meaningful to a place in the context of the place and that. That, that particular organization um, took the global principles of sustainable tourism, remained true to them, but created a local code of practice specifically for the burning cliffs of Moher that businesses could engage with and adopt. And now, probably 10 years from when it's first started, or it could even be longer 10 or 12 years from when it first started, there are over 70 businesses who are adopting that code of practice voluntarily, submitting their data every year, working together, and actually more protective of it than the than the founding public sector agency. So they really managed to secure engagement over the longer term. It's a really good example, but as I say, it made it localized, relevant, meaningful, relatable to to the local businesses.
1: So then stepping into the field of communication and stepping out of green hushing and really being proud and demonstrating and telling people how you are being sustainable. How do you advise people there?
2: Um, Well, I suppose a little bit of, I said, the sustainable agenda over a period of time hasn't been great at communication. And we still see a kind of, I hate to say bad practice, but not great practice, where a lot of the communication is data-driven, graph-driven, fear-driven, focusing Mm -hmm. on guilt, focusing on, on minimizing damage. And a little bit preachy of you should and we must and you should um, and catastrophizing around it and we know from learning psychology those are all the things people back away from Um, and we've seen how sustainability you know we haven't started talking about in the last three years it's been going on since you know 50 years but it's gone over people's heads because it doesn't engage people so i think probably moving things right into the everyday vernacular language um, and talking about I'm a great believer in, as I said, localizing to your particular place. We know for people to engage in anything that involves change, they need to be motivated and they need to be inspired uh, before they need to be informed. So we we need to do a bit more work about why should you do this? What does it mean for you, for your place? What are the things that motivate people? We do know, again, from psychology and from from anybody who's ever tried to give up cigarettes even, uh, we're not motivated by doing less harm. We are motivated by doing more good. And wow. the sustainability agenda really needs to start. And the communication, I would think, from the public sector is emphasizing all the good these things are doing, all the good that is coming from initiatives that are supported, all the impact that, you know, my choice to take the bus actually makes the positive that 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 that, that I suppose creates around us. And for all the reasons you said, people are hesitant to do that and to be caught blowing their own trumpet and then getting called out for it. But I think we can actually make things like um, I don't know, I, I'm located right now in a in a digihub, you know, uh what was an, an a disused supermarket for about 10 years is now an enterprise center with eight small businesses and about 25 working spaces for other people. Um it has become a huge, I think it's a sustainable success story in our little town in the West of Ireland, where it's oversubscribed, there's a vibrant small business community, there's um great sharing, connection, reliable broadband, meeting rooms, all this stuff. There's a really good story that can be communicated as being a digi hub or can be communicated as a social sustainability project or an economic sustainability project, like county councils that create space for farmers markets, the impact on that of local food, local economy, reducing food miles, creating community town centres. supporting beach cleanups which may be just as simple as providing the high vis and the black bags for example there's a whole lot of things that people do in their meaning in their lives that can become part of a conversation on sustainability everything the public sector does or is meant to do and you know strive to do is for the public good and it's for public benefit um and therefore it has you know I wouldn't be hesitant about explaining what the public benefit is in sustainability language, relating things to the SDGs. This helps us towards SDG 10 on on equality and inclusion, for example. This one helps us on SDG about life on land or life on water and just working it in. And like you said, being proud, being proud of the impact you're having. Um, And obviously where things where things are are damaging and, and need to be called out, at least it isn't the dominant part of the conversation. It's part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really good advice, that don't fear what you haven't done, but communicate where and when it's going to happen. So tell me what you're working on right now and the type of work that you're doing in in 2024.
2: Yeah, well, we're, we're working, as I said, several things we do probably a bit like yourself quite a lot of work um is involved in working with various public agencies to develop tools and resources that industry can use and actually implement that's always been the focus or training programs for industry we're definitely seeing a shift in our business towards support specifically for public sector tourism professionals themselves, that gap about, you know, building the knowledge, the literacy, the skills, the confidence in this area. So we are also developing um, programs that are specifically for public sector tours and we hope to see those launched later on this year. Um, I think transparency, as you mentioned, you know, that fear of being called out, um, moving towards certified programs uh, for industry or for any, for any type of training that we're doing, that's that's a major thing. So for us, we we really want to move away from and, and help others move away from, you know, ad hoc sporadic interventions on sustainability to actually embracing the fact that this is a learning journey for all of us that's ongoing week by week, month by month, um, moving that mindset away from Have we got the solution done, move on to, you know, how do we evolve this conversation, make the solutions better all the time. So we very much see ourselves as facilitators and enablers. So, you know, being in a room with um with a team in a public agency or being in a room with uh with them and all the businesses in their destination, facilitating and hosting those conversations. They're so important because we need we need engagement, we need ownership, we need buy-in. Um, and it's really moved beyond here, I'll train you what to do and do it it's we know that's not really working we know it's um people are just going to take longer to get that kind of mindset shift that is behind it so um yeah facilitation i think i see as a core part of what we'll be doing moving forward as well
1: i feel like this is why we had such great conversations before we we got to today is that you know i'm trying to help people have the confidence and the competency to communicate in the digital age and that's transformation and you're doing exactly the same, but from that sustainability viewpoint yeah. and that responsibility that we mm-hmm. all have, the government and public sector have. So, like, there's so much work for you to do, Tina. There's so much work. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that it's it's kind of dropped a seed with me that, you know, don't just train them and go because it's harder mm-hmm. than that. You know, they, they need that handholding and that mentoring and that, that facilitation. But where can people find you and, and maybe just reach out to you to say listen I heard the interview and mm-hmm. we kind of would like to start a conversation with you what's the best way to get in touch
2: yeah well you'll find out about the business on the tourismspace.com the best place to find me is on LinkedIn usually Um, that's you know I do share stuff that I find as much as possible a huge part of any sustainable mindset is to is to share good practice and best practice so you'll find me there um and messaging me there is probably the the easiest way to get to me i'd i'd love to hear from anybody um uh and really really interested in in evolving the conversation as we uh, like collaboration is just so central to it and sharing of knowledge and information so would be really delighted to engage with anybody
1: yeah and listen i i think that we're going to collaborate at some stage. I hope so yeah, yeah, I just feel that there's there's so much that we can do and I can learn from you. also. And vice versa,
2: yeah, vice versa, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, think, I think the communication piece is, is a big challenge and equally a huge opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. and I think stepping into that and, and helping people be confident, that's just huge, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, listen, an absolute pleasure as always, Tina. Uh, thank you. And guys, if you're listening or you're watching, slide into her DMs on LinkedIn, you won't regret it.
2: Yeah, Joanne, thank you so much for the, for the conversation. I look forward to
1: having more of them, hopefully. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 92 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Uh, we are coming close to the relaunch of our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com, where you will be able to buy um, a whole suite of Offer courses, workshops, master classes directly on our website and you can take them in your own time. Yes of course I'm still doing in-company training, live training, consulting and events um, and you can uh, talk to me about that on our website too. But for now, um, if you haven't already, please share this podcast with a Public Sector Pro you know. Um, And a little final mention for my book, the second edition of Public Sector Marketing Pro, still for sale on Amazon. And if, like me, you prefer to listen to books, you will find it on Audible. I will see you on the next show.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a Public Sector Pro you know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. For more free resources, details of our upcoming training courses and consulting options, log on to publicsectormarketingpros.com.